Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Getting over the depression of yesterday, I suppose, when you listen to our politicians... We're getting so close to decision time regarding Brexit and the two principal leaders of the two main parties here. This is how close they are on Brexit issues. Both wanted to get a deal. We talked about the fact that Dublin and indeed Brussels needed to dial back. We talked about the fact that we all both wanted to get a deal. We talked about the fact that Dublin and indeed Brussels needed to dial back in the rhetoric. And I'll, I'll interrupt that for a second because obviously there's a little glitch in that and she's uh, uh, that's Arlene Foster uh, very much talking about her meeting with uh, Boris Johnson but I think we can uh, now rejoin what she's saying. We talked about the fact that we all both wanted to get a deal. We talked about the fact that Dublin and indeed Brussels needed to dial back in the rhetoric and be a willing partner to find a deal not just for the United Kingdom, but for the Republic of Ireland and the whole of Europe. So it is important that we focus on trying to get a deal moving forward uh, instead of just focusing on a no-deal scenario. No deal is on the table uh, because of the fact that we have a very belligerent European Union who, instead of focusing on a deal that was good for all of us, wanted to break up the United Kingdom, something, of course, which no British Prime Minister should be a part of. Uh, We've had a fairly extensive conversation with him in which we have raised the issue of Brexit, his uh, course of action which seems to us to indicate that he has set the compass for a disorderly and a crash Brexit. We've challenged him very strongly on that policy. We've set out very clearly that this would be catastrophic for the Irish economy, uh, for Irish livelihoods, for our society, for our politics and for our peace accord. So you can see there's certainly plenty of room for debate between now and Halloween and beyond. Let me speak to John Tong, Professor John Tong. Uh, John, good morning. Good morning, Frank. Uh, John, a lot of money has been spent on preparations for Brexit, criticism of the amount of money being set aside for, indeed, the no-deal Brexit. Should we take it now that it's no deal that the money's on? Well, it's certainly a remarkable amount of money being spent on a million-to-one chance. Um, You wonder how much money would be spent if this was the odds-on favourite. I never, ever believed that it was a million-to-one chance. I always thought it was a a lot, lot likelier, and that appears to be the case. There's obviously no movement from Brussels. People are away on holiday, so there's no prospect of of any revision uh, to the existing deal. the EU is always insistent that that deal had to include a backstop, and there's no sign of change on that. And so preparations have to take place for um, a, a no-deal scenario. 
Now, the government says that's because, you know, preparing for no deal shows that we're serious uh, about, um, we're serious about getting a better deal from the European Union, but just preparing for no deal doesn't mean to say that the EU is going to shift. There's no sign of movement whatsoever. I've said for a long time, the only way uh, out of this would be if, if the EU was to relent and agree to a common trade area akin to the common travel area, a, a bespoke trading arrangement between the UK and Ireland. But that would impinge upon the integrity of the EU single market, which the European Union is, is desperate to defend. So without movement on that, then we are heading towards no deal. And having been told that there wouldn't be any infrastructure uh, at the border, it's increasingly likely that there will be infrastructure at the border. The question is who's going to put that up or who's going to put up more infrastructure? Uh, the Irish government on its side of the border to defend the integrity of the EU single market or the UK government. And we don't know yet the extent to which the World Trade Organization, uh, under, under its rules, would insist upon uh, the, the extent of the border operation, customs operation and standards operation that would be required. I was reading a very interesting article recently. Originally, it was the Irish government who put border checks in place, not the British government. Originally, yeah. back in the day, it was the Irish government. Do you think it'll come to that again? I think at some point, point it will have to. I mean, on day one, on November the 1st, there isn't going to be any divergence in regulatory standards between what's going from the UK into the European Union, that is, i.e. the Irish Republic, and vice versa. So you could start off on, on a basis of, of zero, and, and, but from that point onwards, there could be divergence in some of the standards of goods. We're not necessarily talking about customs tariffs here yet, because the UK could just simply align its tariffs with those of the European Union, which to some extent solves the customs issue. But this is about standards uh, which are protected under, under the rules of the EU single market. And therefore, from November the 1st onwards, it's possible that the UK may diverge in, in the quality of, of products that are going into the EU single market. And you need checks on that. Now, of course, you can do some checks away from the border uh, in relatively close proximity to that border. You can do some of those things online, but you can't do them all online. Even the, the best experts in the world have, not, have said you cannot have a completely seamless border if you're going from one regulatory regime into another one. So that's why the backstop was introduced for all its strengths and weaknesses, and it remains a part of the deal that appears to be non-negotiable. Now, Boris Johnson's position has been equally clear as the European Union's. He wants to, to bin the backstop and, or, or junk the backstop. And there's been various sort of ways that this has been kicked around. One is to have a Northern Ireland-only backstop, but that's anathema uh, to, obviously, the DUP. Uh, and you could have a UK-wide uh, backstop. But the, the, the point remains the same, that there has to be this, the backstop in place in any deal. There's no sign of that being taken out of the withdrawal agreement. And it's on that rock that all this talk of, of, of a, a new deal is floundering. See, I'm a border child. I grew up close to the border. I crisscrossed the border when I was a young person, when I started working, certainly when I was involved in enjoying entertainment. It was back and forward across the border all the time. And I remember as a youngster how difficult it was to cross the border at times. 
partly, mainly because of security, but uh, partly uh, linked to the, the customs element. I'm, I'm old enough to remember all of that, to be stuck behind lorries at Carrigarn and to be forever on the road thinking, is this ever going to move? Now, I, I, I still go back and forward across the border, more northerly this time, as opposed to north-south. I'm going, uh, you know, no, north-northwest when you go up into the likes of, of Donegal. One of the things you don't want is to be held up. I know that's a selfish attitude, but you don't want the delay. Do, do you think Boris Johnson gives a hoot about me crossing the border? Uh, probably not. And, and there will be increased delays, because I'm not suggesting for one moment that every vehicle is going to be checked going across the border. We're not going back to a, a troubles-type situation uh, at all. But unless you build special roads in which all commercial vehicles, all lorries, would have to travel along, special designated roads, and they would be stopped on those, and ordinary passenger traffic um, with, you know, just a, a car with, with two or three people in go on different roads, unless you do it that way, then inevitably people, ordinary people, get caught up in the, the, the commercial side of things. In other words, that they get caught up in the, in the customs and regulatory checks that will take place. Unless you simply turn a blind eye uh, and uh, allow smuggling uh, across that border, which is not actually allowed under on, on on trade rules, you do have to have a customs operation, then inevitably the border will become uh, of more significance, okay, more significance. It's obviously, a, it's always been a significance politically, but it'll be of more significance in terms of the, the daily lives of people because they will get caught up. If, you know, if a lorry gets stopped uh, near the border, then obviously that will create potentially you know, traffic jams near the border. So it will disrupt p- people's lives, and that's before we even consider the, the arguably even bigger issue of of the commercial, the financial issues associated with, with that, with, with tariffs on goods going, you know, two miles across the border, and yet they can be subject to tariffs as high as 80% in terms of some agricultural uh, produce. Then there's the wider issues, of course, of the ending of subsidies to farmers. So, you know, there's the commercial and financial issues, and then there's the disruption to, to ordinary people. And that's with a, you know, that's, that's even with a, you know, a fairly light customs operation, because you know, th- th- there is friction. If you try and cross a Norway-Sweden border, if you try and cross a border coming out of Switzerland into one of the EU countries, you, know, you can be delayed at that border. I'm not saying that it's a regular daily occurrence, but it does, make, it does reinvigorate the border, uh, even if you know, the term hard border might be slightly misleading. John, always good to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed. Professor John Tung, the government, we're talking about this, has announced an extra 2.1 billion of funding to prepare for a no-deal Brexit, doubling the amount of money that's set aside this year. Now, the plans include more Border Force officers and upgrades of transport infrastructure at the ports, but uh, needless to say... We have our worries, we have our concerns if our lifestyle is going to be impacted upon. Let me speak to Alison Morris from the Irish News. Alison, good morning. Good morning. Maybe I should have asked the question slightly differently to John Tong when I said, does Boris Johnson care if I get across the border or not? Uh, Does Arlene Foster care if I get across the border or not? I think she will have to care because the, the point is that the DUP, unlike Boris Johnson, do not parachute in and out of this place. They live here and their electorates here and their families are here. And any um, divergence from the, the normal situation at that border that will affect you and affect me will also affect them. 
So I suppose that's when, when we say that they will have to own the, the decisions that they're making right now and, and by aligning themselves so closely with Boris Johnson, whatever plans he has for Northern Ireland, the DUP will have to accept some of the responsibility for those plans, whether they be good, whether they be bad or whether they be absolutely disastrous. Do you think he's bluffing? Do you think Boris Johnson is calling the bluff of Europe, of Ireland, of of, of everyone who's against him, really, in a, in a very flamboyant and, may I say, at times delightful way? There's something incredibly engaging about Boris Johnson. He's one of the few politicians, when I see him on TV, I turn the volume up. You know, that's rare to be said about a politician but he does have character and he is winning people over well he does and that's why he was chosen so he was chosen as uh, to lead the, the Conservative Party because they believed that he could take on the character that has been created by Nigel Farage so Nigel Farage created this very carefully you know man of the people type you know he's constantly pictured you know a cigarette in one hand and a pint in the other and so Boris Johnson was a man who they believed could uh, those voters back off the Brexit party who could take on Jeremy Corbyn a lot of it's to do with his charisma and his standing but what you did see this week is when he he left the, the bubble of, of Westminster in London where he was um, where he was mayor and therefore treated like some kind of money celebrity when he tried to go into Scotland, Wales um, and even the protests in Northern Ireland he was not given such a warm welcome as he might expect in his usual sort of London stomping ground um, he, he clearly, and I, I was actually on a, a radio show at the weekend and they had someone who'd went to university with them that spoke about how charismatic he was then. But I mean, I have so many friends who, you know, were great crack and brilliant to go out for a meal with and, and for a drink with, but I wouldn't put them in charge of Brexit or, or I wouldn't put them in charge of, of being Prime Minister. The point is that he's here to deliver a Brexit and he's here to deliver a very specific kind of Brexit. And that Brexit will be to, to save the Conservative Party from the absolute battering they got in the last election um, to try and unite Conservatives again within the House of Westminster. It has nothing to do with us. The people of Northern Ireland are very low down in the list of priorities of what is going on and the internal wranglings of, of the Conservative Party, of the, the bad feeling and the actual war that have almost been declared upon themselves, that, that the English people have declared upon themselves in Westminster, and the, the mess that is Brexit. All of that has to be sorted out, and I, I think that you'll find that when it comes to, to dealing with what's going to be best in the long term for us here, that probably comes quite low down on that list. There's going to be a general election. There has to be a general election. Will it come before or after Halloween? It needs to change the arithmetic at, at Westminster. It just has to be done or else he's not going to get Brexit at all, never mind the Brexit that he wants. Um, so I would say it's probably going to come before then. I think, I mean, the sequence of events will probably be he will go to the EU in September and early September and try to renegotiate a deal. Um, whether he's able to make enough changes or checks I think that the EU are probably willing to, to do a few, few tweaks here and there and maybe give some legal clarification, but they're certainly not willing to change the bones of a deal. We, we heard Arning Foster talking yesterday about transients and how they needed to, to make a deal for the good of it. They've already made a deal, this is the point. The EU made a deal with the British government. They made it with Theresa May. It's done. That part of it's over. So while he might get, be able to get some adjustments, he can't rip it up and start again. That's not going to happen. If he doesn't get any changes to the deal, which is looking more likely, I think he's going to have to come back and have a, an autumn election before we even reach 
the October 31st deadline. He needs to change the arithmetic. He needs to change it quite considerably. He needs to have a sizable, incredible majority, and he just doesn't have that apparently. And that possibly could see the DUP kicked into touch. There is always the option that the DUP could be every bit as strong after a, a general election, but you would think that part of his reason would be to get the DUP off his back. He wouldn't need them for that confidence and supply support. So what happens back here then? Because yesterday it was so depressing to hear Arlene Foster and Mary Lou MacDonald talk the way they talked. They are poles apart, like like two human beings who detest each other. I mean, when it comes to Brexit, they couldn't be more different than what it is that both of them want out of this. I think you know, while the arithmetic at Westminster may change, I don't think that Boris Johnson wants, he probably doesn't want to be handcuffed to the DUP in the same way Theresa May is, but he will still require them. Those 10 votes will still be crucial to giving him a sizable majority and he'll want to keep them along. The thing about the, the DUP is they know Boris very well. They know him of old and they know um, how when he makes a promise, he doesn't always necessarily intend to keep it. So I'm, I'm sure that they'll be trying to get something in writing and something hammered down to, to get some sort of commitment as to what going to happen after the the Brexit vote and after October the the 31st. But I mean, there's no such thing as as a good Brexit for Northern Ireland. There was a soft landing Brexit. We're not going to get that. A hard Brexit's disastrous. And um, the issue is you heard John Tong talking about the the border. All of those things remain unresolved. Boris Johnson didn't have any answers when asked about that yesterday. He didn't really take any questions to the press at all. I think Guys, David Blevins managed to get a sneaky question before he was pulled away. But apart from that, he was reading from a, a pre-prepared statement. Um, so while the parties get in and, and got the question, I don't think that any of them got any solid answers out of them as, as to what's intended for the border or how he intends to overcome the problems that Theresa May found impossible to overcome in regards to the backstop in regards to keeping the border open. I mean, I think that it doesn't take you to be an economics expert to understand what John Tong was saying in relation to the fact that the EU have standards in relation to foods and standards in relation to goods, which they can't just abandon all checks on. I mean, they could pollute the entire food chain with unsafe foods, if that were to be the case, and they're not going to allow that. Um, so there will have to be have to be some checks. You can tell about the by the amount of staff that are being hired by border force that there is going to be there's preparations being done there that there is going to have to be some considerable checks. Um, I think it's interesting and I haven't spoken about this in a while, but if you remember quite some time ago there were a number of police stations that were being sold off close to the border and those sales were withdrawn and those buildings still remain. It's still, you know, I would still imagine that they're a part of a an old Brexit contingency plan and maybe to be used as customs outposts just away from the border. But I mean, all of this is all speculation. We just don't know. And for, for business and for agriculture and for everyone that lives here, it's that uncertainty that's much damaging. At this point in time, if you'd have asked everyone two and a half years ago that they said they wanted X, Y and Z said from Brexit, now when you ask people, they just we just want to know so that we can make some kind of plan, we can put contingencies in place and we can t- lim- try and limit the, the damage that it's going to cause. And at, at this point in time, with the October deadline looming and we know how fast the weeks go in, um, there is still no there is still no certainty and there's still no plan, but maybe no better in September when Boris Johnson comes back from from Brussels and, and has to accept whatever whatever it is that either worked or didn't work there. Um but yeah, I think that as a journalist we're we're living in very uncertain times. You can make predictions and then the, the, everything can go in a completely different direction. But I mean right now I think that the most likely um direction of travel is a negotiation with the EU that will not go the way Boris Johnson has claimed that it will go. I don't think that they're going to be afraid of him. I don't think that all this hard talk is going to make them tremble in their boots and rip up the deal. That's not going to happen. 
and then we're probably looking at a general election and and um and some sort of quite disorderly Brexit come the end of October. Yet and all, finally, Alison, yet and all, I will hear pe- from people today and I'll, I'll meet people in the street today who will say to me, for goodness sake, on that programme you're still talking about Brexit and no deal being a crisis. No deal would be a great deal. Let's get out and stand on our own two feet. I know loads of people who say that. Well, well I hope they're right. <laughs> I don't think that they are. I mean, it can't be. Every single economic economist can't be wrong. But, I mean, the, the, the point about it is, is, okay, that's probably what we're going to get now at this stage anyway. Um, there's not a lot, an awful lot that you or I or the man on the street who, stops you, who, who talks to you can do to stop that. But the politicians who have been closely linked to the party that's going to bring that in and the DUP will have to own that. So if it is good, well, then good for them. They will be able to say, look what we did. But if it's a disaster, they're also going to have to take partial responsibility for that as well. Um, as far as I know, and any people who, who are much more tuned in to, to um, customs arrangements than I am have all said it's going to be a disaster. Business people have said it's going to be a disaster. Transport and haulage companies have said it's going to be a disaster. Could they all be wrong? And, you know, could, could you know, the man on the street be right? Well, stranger things have happened, but I don't think it's very likely. Uh, Alison, always good to speak to you. Thank you. Alison Morris is from the Irish News. This is the U105 phone-in. What do you have to say? Feel free to let us know. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.